Welcome to the Sunday Morning Sleep In podcast. It's okay to sleep in every once in a while. It's okay to, to miss church, but we think church is pretty important. You're going to miss out on intergenerational community and support and encouragement from small groups and thoughtful reflection from your co-pew sitters, uh, great music, and cute kids. But we give you what we can right here in this Sunday Morning Sleep In podcast by handing you the sermon. I'm Chris Marshall, and I'm a United Methodist pastor in Reno, Nevada, and today I am here with Mike Harrell, who is the Reverend United Methodist Pastor in, where are you? Foothills United Methodist Church. Foothills United Methodist Church in Rescue, California. And he's sitting in with us today so we can stockpile a few sermons and share them with you even when one one or both of us have to be gone for a while, Susan or I. We're not theological experts, well I won't speak for Mike, I'm not a theological expert or a preaching expert. We're just average pastors trying to help our congregations think through life's big questions every week. And we started this podcast so that if you're away from home or working or coaching your kids underwater basket weaving team, you can still stay connected with some of the thoughts floating around the church these days. So each episode is a conversational version of a sermon that we gave on Sunday. We ask that whatever day it is when you're listening to this, that you keep an open heart and an open mind. A quick note that we add to every single episode, we don't actually care if you agree with us or not. In fact, we encourage you to disagree. We encourage you to think for yourself and to definitely make space to question your assumptions and to question our assumptions because our sincere hope is that you will experience the mysterious loving force in the world that we know as God moving in your life as you consider this. So Mike, tell me about a sermon that you preached recently. Well, I'll share a little bit about the one I preached this past Sunday, which was the first in a six-week sermon series where we are each week taking a word, kind of a foundational word of our faith vocabulary, mm-hmm. and uh, exploring some of those key words, both in terms of doing some reflection on what we mean when we use those words. So words like grace or righteousness or mercy. Salvation. Yeah, I don't remember if salvation is one that I picked or not. There, there were more than I had time to fit into the six-week chunks. So I had to make some editorial choices. Yeah. But uh, Christ is another one. So doing some reflection on what we mean when we use those words and actually trying to give that some thought, but also thinking about what those words might have meant in their original contexts and how that may be different from the way we use them and think about them uh-huh. today and reflecting on uh, those kinds of questions. So what was the word that you chose on Sunday? So we started with the word faith. I figured that was a, as good a place to start good, as any. <laughs> good starting place. Why not? Did you play the George Michael song? No, I did not. Well, that was an opportunity missed, my friend. It was. didn't even cross my mind. uh... That's horrible. (laughs) It didn't even cross your mind. (laughs) It didn't. All right, so faith. So so did you go to, like, the faith is the evidence of things not seen? Did you go... Well, so my other motivation in, in the sermon series was kind of beyond just faith, tradition or religious tradition, was really trying to talk about the fact that words matter. Oh, particularly given what we've kind of seen and moved through nationally over the last year or so. But they have real consequences. They have real consequences, yeah. yeah. And, and that, I, that I think that culturally we tend to put a higher value on action. Right. And we, we sometimes pretend as if action and words are independent of one another and they yeah. occupy separate spheres. 
but that they really don't, that they're very interdependent. And the idea that it's actually our words, whether it's spoken words or written words, that really form the basis of the actions we take and yeah. the choices that we make. Absolutely. Um, religiously, politically, personally, whatever. And that using also the example of kind of fake news, you know, oh. that's a, a hot topic right now. Wag the dog. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that fake news isn't new. You know? Yeah. Propaganda think, has been around forever. Right. You know, I think it's existed in some way, shape, or form ever since the human species learned how to talk, probably. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? like in, in personal forms, it's called gossip. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. In broader terms, it's called propaganda. I think this most recent focus on it has served to reawaken us to a truth that I think we sometimes too easily forget, mm. which is that words do matter and that they are significant and they do have an impact on choices and perception and actions um, that we take. So that's kind of the bigger, I guess, lens and motivation for the whole series uh, as well is is just that that larger issue of words and why they're important. So how did you define faith then? So faith, I focused on the two from what I understand and just my own research on it, the two primary words that are most frequently interpreted as faith in the Gospels okay. are fiducia okay. and fidelitas. Okay. With fiducia essentially meaning trust, okay. the equivalent of trust, with a particular emphasis on trust in another person, Okay. you know, above and beyond trust in a thing or, right. or an idea. So... The scripture passage I used in relation to that was the story of Jesus coming to the disciples on the water and Peter making those tentative steps to get out of the boat and walk on the water to Jesus. And and at first he's successful at that and then kind of notices the waves and the wind and freaks out and his focus uh, changes his focus changes and you could say that it's his trust falters in that moment yeah but just the idea that in a span of just a few seconds you know peter goes from star pupil to poor example and it all seems to hinge on his ability to trust in jesus in that moment right and that when he's trusting in jesus he realizes he's capable yeah of more than he would have thought Right. And then when his trust falters, then he lowers his own expectation and his capacity yeah. is diminished, too. You know, he literally sinks right in the yeah. story. And so that idea of faith is fiducia, faith is trust, mm-hmm. particularly in the person of Jesus and how that that makes us more capable of more just adds a, another quality to our living and our actions and the impact yeah, of our it, lives. Yeah, adds hope. Like that we can be better than we are or the situation can improve or I like that expanded capacity kind of idea. So what does fidelitas mean? So fidelitas essentially, as you can tell, it's the root of fidelity, fidelity, right? Which I would have thought that would have been the trust in another person one. Well, so fidelity is interesting. Fidelity is, is more commitment okay, uh, or loyalty. And we often think of that, in, in my opinion, somewhat of a superficial, not superficial, but a a one-dimensional way in terms of the context of Not intimate, cheating. Yeah, intimate romantic or sexual relationships, right? Right. But commitment and loyalty are, have further applications than just that yeah. singular aspect of, of life. And really, when we talk about loyalty or we talk about commitment, I think essentially what we're talking about as it relates to another person is that we're talking about a certain level of attentiveness to a relationship with somebody else. 
If I'm committed to someone, if I'm loyal to someone, then that speaks to a depth and degree of attentiveness that I have to that relationship. Absolutely. To that person, to maintaining that relationship. And so the idea of faith as fidelitas is attentiveness to our relationship with God or with Jesus. And for that, the passage that we reflected on interestingly enough, is one where that word doesn't actually occur. Fidelitas doesn't occur in it. It's just an image of it. But I think it really embodies that ideal of attentiveness. And it's the story of Jesus being in a home and the woman coming into the house with the jar of nard. Oh, yeah. And anointing. Nard nard being like scented scented oil oil or something. Yeah. And essentially upending it, you know, over Jesus' head. And anointing his whole his whole being, his whole body with it. That that's both such a profound and such a intimate it really is. degree of attentiveness. Yes. That it actually makes the other people in the room uncomfortable. <laughs> right. Because they start criticizing yeah, of her course. Yeah. out of their discomfort yeah. over her like, attentiveness. Check to out him. this creeper. Who just drenched her her rabbi with Abercrombie and Fitch. <laughs> like, right. This is kind of weird. <laughs> and so, you know, and so Jesus shuts him down by commending her for, right. for what she's done. Essentially commending her for her faithfulness, for her attentiveness to him in that moment. Yeah. Uh, so, so it seems like then the first one, Fiducia. Fiducia. Fiducia, thank you. Um, Fiducia is really about our trust in another person and then fidelitas is about our trust in ourselves to uphold our relationship. Is that? Well, I think, um, I think when we use the word faith, we use that as kind of a very general catch all phrase refer to, like, faith. In, in, re- in relation to our religious convictions. right? Yeah. So like when I, when I talk about my faith, uh-huh. I'm talking about a whole lot of stuff. I'm talking about All my, your experiences. And my theology. I'm talking about how I interpret scripture. I'm talking about how frequently I pray. I'm talking about even the style of worship I like and maybe right. even hymns or worship songs that you resonate like, for me. Right? Or don't I like. Mean, or rather that I don't <laughs> like. You know, I'm talking about my denominational label, yeah. you know, that I that uh, I wear, right? Are you happy? And do you know it? <laughs> do you hear me clapping my hands? <laughs> uh, but, yeah, but so that's what we mean by faith. But faith actually is about these relationships. Yeah. Well, and I think it's o- I think it's okay that we use faith kind of in that general catch-all way. Right. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think so long as we strive to remember that in a more fundamental and essential way. Faith is about our trust in and attentiveness to our God and our relationship with our God. I think that makes a lot of sense. And particularly the the power of words as they change over time for us. I think that there's something really profound in allowing ourselves to have enough space to let something mean something else, like plug somebody else's definition in for a while and see what that can teach us about our assumptions than just kind of holding on to our own. And so to take a word that we use all we throw it around all the time, faith. Right. I use it I use it in interfaith situations all the time because I don't want to say we Christians. Right. Right. So I say people of faith. Right. 
Uh, and that, of course, in that room means a million different things for people, because for some people, their faith is not at all a spiritual thing. And for other people, it's entirely a spiritual thing. And so to be able to say for us, these two words have come from this place mm-hmm. and they may have evolved into something else. But if we go back to that place and think about those words, what do they have to tell us about who we are and how we live out our faith now? Yeah, I think that's important. Well, and the thing that I appreciate particularly about those two uh, ways, you know, trust and, and attentiveness is that I mean, they're very relational. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, that's, that's the crux of it. It yes. is relational, relational both in terms of in relationship to God, but mm-hmm. also relational in terms of our relationships with one another. And Absolutely. so... I think when we allow things like how we interpret scripture or our theological perspective or our doctrine to become the basis of our faith, that's usually a pretty good indication that we've actually lost our faith. Yeah, because then it becomes about being right instead of, you know, treating somebody right or treating somebody with that kind of respect and attention. And I just finished listening to Hillbilly Elegy in the car mm-hmm. on the way to the we're sitting at the gathering of the orders, which is all of the clergy in our conference, California Nevada conference, get together once a year and sing awful folk songs and <laughs> sometimes learn something. And we did learn something this time, but it, for me, it was like a seven hour drive. And so I, in the car, was listening to Hillbilly Elegy by J.D. Vance. I have mixed reviews about the book, but he talks about how different his life is when there is somebody in whom he can place his trust. So when he's living with very unstable parents versus when he's living with very stable grandparents and how his academic life changes, his relationships change, his feeling of security changes, whether or not he can even kind of trust his own thoughts in a way changes, depending on if he has somebody in his life on whom he can rely and, and just the power of our relationships with each other to either uphold or undermine whether or not we even believe there can be a loving God that we can put trust in. Yeah. Because if you haven't experienced that as a child or as an adult, it's much harder to, to believe that it could be true about the invisible one right. than about somebody right. that we can actually put our hands on, which I think is why it's so important for us as people of faith to try as best as we can, even though we're going to mess up to live lives of integrity. Because if we are the family to some kid who doesn't have any stability, if we are their trust that there can be somebody who loves them beyond us, that we better not mess that up. Because it's far reaching. The, the effects of that are far reaching. Right. Yeah. And I think too, one of the, some of the comments that I got from people, you know, after I preached that particular sermon, I was cognizant of on some level, but maybe not in a super conscious way, um, was just in relation to the political transition that we're going through. And again, you know, people are in different places around that. But for the people who are fearful and anxious and deeply concerned, it served as as a reminder, I guess, to center themselves in something more substantive than a political party that's, platform that's or interesting because because uh, so for so many people like the political party platform that's concrete right right and everything else is is sort of insubstantial yeah. and, and not in that it doesn't have importance but that it doesn't have physical weight like it doesn't have matter or mass yeah. and so to, to say you know that there is something more substantial yeah <laughs> than that concrete stuff is uh is so important and i totally agree like my people have been really freaked out for the most part over the election as well yeah and to help them realize that we are not identified by our political party you can wear that label if you want to but that you have another label that's more important right 
And that's who you are and whose you are. Mm-hmm. And that if you lose sight of those two things, your political party's not going to save you. Right. And that's that's so, so important because otherwise we live or die with our party. And right. so to give ourselves the space to see ourselves as bigger than one identity and longer lasting than one term. Right. We hope. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> we can endure for a while that there will be consequences, but they are not, you know, they are not the ones that will affect us forever. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because the only the only people that I talked to that kind of made that particular connection to it. Right. Again, were, were the pe- not the people who were feeling triumphant or... Right. Or excited about the future, but but these were the people that were feeling demoralized by right. the outcome, and I think that's an illustration of for a lot of us, those moments are the moments when, in some ways, God is able to access us in a different way or a little bit deeper level. Yeah, um, when we are in those kind of low spots, as opposed to thinking that we've got it all together and yeah. we're riding high, and, and I don't need anything or anybody. Yeah, we, we I won, and you know, yeah. I'm. I'm I'm on top of the heap kind of a thing. And I think the ability to trust and maybe even to be attentive to others is lower mm-hmm. when we feel like we're at the top of our game. What's a way that you are attentive to God? Like what's what's one of your kind of spiritual practices that keeps you grounded as you go through your life? There's a, a lake, a man-made lake, not a quarter of a mile from my house. Mm-hmm. And I go there and I do a lot of walking and I do a lot of thinking. In fact, that's where I do a lot of my sermon prep, at least when it's not pouring down rain like it is at the moment <laughs> as we're talking. But the being outside, but I, but I also walk as I do it all. And yeah. so the, the, the physicality right. uh, of that is is important to me. And just uh, the physicality of, to some degree, my spirituality. I'm, I'm one that like going out and working in the yard, that that to me is is a much more spiritually nurturing experience than sitting, sitting for an hour. In, yeah, in meditation, you know, yeah. or something like that. So those types of, you know, even to some degree going to the gym, yeah. you know, um, well, on the one hand, I hate it. Yeah. But that sense of connection to my physicality um, right. is important to me spiritually, too. Well, and our, our friend Allison would remind us that religion is a word that means connection to what is. Yeah. And to our bodies and to our environment and to our world and to our people. Yeah. And not necessarily just connection to something that's beyond yeah. all of that, but that religion is really a lived experience yeah. in the world. And so it makes total sense that that's one of the ways that you would connect. Yeah. I remember actually you telling me, because you were the pastor in Santa Cruz for four years. Right. And I asked you um, for, I, I, was, I was like pulling people for stories from sermon manuscripts. Yeah. And a bunch of people sent me like, here's a story, here's a story, here's a story. And then you and Mark Cordes... Mark Cordes sent me five words on a Word document that were apparently to him a sermon. Okay. <laughs> and you said, I don't write them down. And I said, what? You said, I don't write them down. I read the scripture. I read the prep materials. I do my research. And then I go for a walk. And usually by the end of that walk, I know pretty much where I'm going and what I'm going to say. And then I just think about it for the rest of the week. Because if I don't know it myself, I'm not going to stand up and preach it. And I remember thinking like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That was sort of the moment that I started journeying away from manuscript preaching because uh, I thought, man, I need to know this because if I don't know this, then I can't actually help people connect to it through me. It's, it's just going to be me reading a piece of paper. Yeah, I'm a horrible, I don't fake it well. And so, if, <laughs> you know, like if it doesn't connect with me, it's like obvious it doesn't connect with me. Yeah. Um, I just don't have it in me, you know. To, You're not a good liar. 
Should we play BS well, later? <laughs> no, I'm actually a pretty decent liar. You want to but... play poker? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and sometimes it's it's a very internal process for me. Until the moment when I preach it, yeah. it's really all internal. And then the funny thing is, I mean, luckily you told me about this fairly early on in the week. Yes. Because normally... By Thursday, you can't remember? Oh, yeah, no. Even like by Tuesday, like yeah. the one I preached on Sunday is gone. Yeah. Because I'm, because I'm already in the space with, with the next one. Right. And uh, I'm just not able to retain it, you know, right. in any kind of uh, detailed way. Yeah. So it, it's a, a very internal process for me. So Which again is is about attentiveness, right? It's words that matter. It's it's finding the words that mean something to you and helping them connect to other people, or helping other people connect to those words or to those ideas or to those feelings or whatever. Yeah. But but even just the the being attentive to that over the course of five or six days, right? You know, rather than okay, it's Friday, <laughs> I'm going to write it and be done with it, and then I'm going to preach it or whatever. Yeah, that it's I, I live you live with, with it. it. Yeah. For a longer period of time. Yeah. Which again is, is, is uh, I think, about attentiveness. To... Yeah. And I know people on the other side of the, of the podium who do the opposite. And so they hear it on Sunday and then they live with it all week. And well, so at least we hope they do. <laughs> sometimes they do. Sometimes people come back to me a few weeks later and they're like, do you remember that sermon you preached about this? And odds yeah. are I don't, right? Right. But like, do you remember the sermon you preached about X, Y, or Z? And I'll say, no. And they're like, you tell the story about, you know, yeah. this. And yeah. I go... Oh, that is not what I meant by that story. <laughs> that is not what I meant by that sermon. And then somebody says, oh, no, but it changed my life in this profound way. And yeah. I go, oh, well, if that's what you needed to hear, then that's fine with me. There like, you it's, you know, it's you just put some something out there and God will do something with it. But um, anyway, thank you, Mike Carroll. You're welcome. I appreciate you giving me some of your time during free time at the Gathering of the Orders, which, as we all know, is also called nap time (laughs) for good reason. And thanks for listening to the Sunday Morning Sleep-In Podcast. Uh, If you have questions for us or stories that relate to the topics at hand, if you'd like to send a love letter to Mike, you can reach us at sundaymorningsleepin.com or sundaymorningsleepin at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and iTunes and Google Play wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, The scripture were those two stories that Mike talked about, the Peter walking on water, which you can find fairly easy with a Google search, and the the woman. The woman with nard. Look up nard woman. I'm sure that will be helpful. (laughs) And you can find those scriptures. We always say, if you don't have a Bible in front of you and you're looking for some inspiration, BibleGateway.com is great. And the music that you are hearing right now is Take Me Higher by Jazzer. So Mike, it's traditional, the end of a worship service for the pastor to offer a good word, uh, a benediction to the people who are there. So would you give us a good word? So as we go through the week, may our trust... So as we go through the week, may our trust be strengthened and our attentiveness deepened. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Mike.